What's up, Ant? What's going on? Oh, not too much. How you doing? Not too bad. Waiting for things to start moving on my side of the world, but uh, just getting by, man, one day at a time, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'll let you uh, I'll let you introduce yourself to, to everybody, kind of your background, what you do, and uh, kind of how you got there. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Gio Grassi, um, assistant strength coach at Fordham University here in the Bronx, New York. Uh, so the teams I work with uh, that I'm the head strength coach for are women's volleyball, baseball, uh, men's water polo, um, track and field, both men's and women, and I assist with the football program. Um, prior to Fordham, I was with the New York Giants as a paid intern in 2017. Um, before then, from 2015 to 2017, I was a GA at Fairleigh Dickinson in Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, and before I got started as a collegiate coach, I was a sports performance coach with Parisi Speed School in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Uh, from 2010 till 2015. Um, that's been my story, man, just working with every athlete at that point up until you get to the collegiate setting and you kind of get centralized into, you know, your population that you're dealing with. But uh, ultimately, I wanted to get back to coaching a football program, uh, which is why I started to get back into uh, collegiate strength and conditioning. You know, I played myself at Delaware State University, um, and I just enjoy the team camaraderie, the team culture of the whole, uh, you know, aspect of being a strength coach. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that was, uh, for me, like when I was volunteering, uh, at coastal Carolina, that's kind of how it was for me. I was able to go in the weight room with them. Um, I was actually interned there as well. So I got to see both sides pretty easily. Um, got mad respect for you guys because it's a lot of hours sometimes for a little pay and it gets, uh, can get kind of mind numbing here and there. It, it can. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, people always say that, you know, the old adage, Hey, you know, working 12 to 15 hour shifts and you're only getting paid X amount, you know, and I always combat that by saying, Hey, if the money's, if the money means something, go work on wall street, you know, you'll make a ton of money there. But, uh, yeah. you know, for coaches, you know, it's always about, you know, Hey, how can we elevate the program? Um, you know, and spending those endless hours, you know, extra at work, you know, just doing your personal research that, you know, you wouldn't do at home or, uh, you know, going to the cafeteria to make sure the kids are eating the right stuff. Um, you know, that's where all the extra hours and stuff comes in. But, um, I mean, you'd know as well as I have, you know, being in that collegiate setting, it's not easy. It's not for everyone, but uh, I'll tell you what, it's for, it's for those who, you know, I enjoyed the private sector a lot myself when I was at Parisi's, but I'd say the biggest difference from private sector to collegiate setting, collegiate setting, you're developing that team culture, basically. Yep. That's, that's number one. Number two is, you know, the programming and all that stuff comes into it. And the most thing that I enjoyed about being a private coach at Parisi was, hey, I could spend as much time with this kid uh, we can develop into, you know, different things. We can program differently. We can have more fun, whereas in a collegiate setting, time's your enemy. You know, so you kind of got to work against that clock, you know? Yeah. So to kind of, like, get into everything, um, <clears throat> I know with with training, for me at least, um, I'm dealing with the middle schoolers, you know, maybe fifth or sixth grade at the low end to, you know, college players on break or over summer and mm – -hmm. So the, the whole training thing, it's such a huge range. Like my, my big thing is like three different movements, um, kind of um, a push press, like over the head, uh, a deadlift, you got to pick something up and then a squat. Uh, if mm -hmm. there's some kind of imbalance, at least in those three, then either there's been an injury or there's going to be an injury. Um, it's been the easiest setup for me when I had people come in um, <clears throat> and then I always go after the mentality first. Like I always want to see are, you know, are these kids going to be um, hard to not, not hard to teach, but like 
hard to keep their uh, their their attention. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it's really something for me. I always start out with like just lower body mechanics, mm -hmm. and then from there work my way up towards the you know the back and the shoulders. It's 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 more can they move their feet? And I know it, a lot of it. I hit a rough spot with like 14, 15, like between like 13 and 15, where a lot of those girls, especially if they're getting a huge girl, <clears throat> um, go from understanding their body to completely out of whack again. Yeah. And slowly back into it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's one of those things that there's no, there's no, there's no guideline for it. And there's no two girls or two athletes that, that react the same way. Right. I would say, you know, that was my thing, you know, when I was at Parisi's too, dealing with those middle schoolers and those, uh, you know, those kids transitioning into the high school setting where all of a sudden, boom, they grew about four or five inches. Now it's like, oh, man, we lost all technique we had in our change of direction. We don't even know how to accelerate, you know, zero to ten no more. It's almost like you have to hit the reset button. But the biggest thing I found was just, you know, reintegrating that, you know, motor pattern, you know. And I, figured, I always felt that at that age. You know, like you said, you only focus on, you know, the, the three main things that you focus on. And that's great because the basics are going to be key at that age. Um, and I feel like, you know, I don't want to say a lot of people, but, you know, most people like to get too, you know, whatever you want to call it, cute, sexy with their programming where they introduce some things too early. Yeah. Um, I know even at, even at my level in the collegiate setting, I mean, you're a freshman. We're not cleaning. You know, you're a freshman. We're not going to back squat. We're not even going to front squat. You know, can you, can you simply just bend your body? Can you bend your knees, bend your waist? Uh, you know, just like me, I start from the ground up. We'll take a look at the ankles first. Uh, so one of our biggest, you know, precursors to entering our program is our uh, ankle dorsiflexion test. So we usually have a degree of motion where if you're greater than 40, good, we'll get you started on some squats. Uh, if you're less than 40 degrees at the ankle, then, hey, we'll, we'll start as basic as, you know, by, uh, body weight uh, split squat, you know, just to try to increase that ankle dorsiflexion, you know, and, and just get that body into, into the position that we need, you know, before we can even load you up with, you know, a barbell. You know, yeah. something that complex, but, um, yeah, you know, just, just to touch base on some things that I focus on, um, you know, same thing like you, you know, I'll focus on the Olympics, you know, just, just the clean and the, uh, push jerks. I feel like the snatches create a little bit of a chaotic environment. Um, so I yeah. tend to shy away from them. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, you know, I know a ton of coaches that utilize it and that's great for them, but, you know, personally, I just feel like, you know, uh, we're not there yet. Hopefully we'll get there one day. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll squat back front or uh, goblet squat, depending on the level of the athlete. And then, uh, you know, we'll pull three times more than we'll press. So for bench pressing, we'll do a combination of a chin up, a row, and then maybe a face pull uh, or a band pull apart within the same session just to, you know, not overpower the, you know, muscles in the front of the body, you know, compared to the back. So, you yeah. know, very similar approach to you. But um, I want to I want to dig a little bit deeper. I don't know if you have a script or whatever, but I kind of want to ask you about conditioning and how you feel about that with volleyball. Um. I, I don't do anything more than 400 meters. Okay. Like really have to go into it like that. I, I mean, in the facility mm -hmm. I, I train in, it's a lot of cutting, um, lateral explosion, multi-directional reaction. Um, and then I'm starting uh, to work a little bit more of the – Decision making and hand eye coordination within the same thing. Okay. So to to kind of combine what they're going to have to do with their hands on the court 
and what their, their head's going to have to tell them to do. Um, I, I try and integrate a, a ball of some kind or an object that they have to look out or look at <clears throat> and then react in a certain way. My thing is I actually purchased, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, they're called a uh, Hiko sticks and they're, it's like a, Not too familiar. It's like a thick soft plastic and I don't have them with me at the moment, but it's like a three pronged. Okay. And it's almost like a peace sign kind of, if you want to look at it that way, like the inner, inner part of it. And one is, and they're all different colors. One's blue, one handles white, one handles black. And it's basically, you can flip it, turn it, however you want to do it. And, you know, I'll have them do like a shuffle movement. They could be simple. It's just a simple lateral shuffle and touch, come back, toss them and say blue right hand. Or I have them designate a hand on the first drill and then I can call out a switch. Um, okay. It's, I look more for the endurance rather than how much power you can put in in one movement okay so which i've actually <clears throat> switched my programming where i don't have and this is where it gets kind of controversial i know with some people is i have it set up in my mind where i have certain movements i have a certain like you said front back ratio that i want to i want to accomplish i have certain complexes mm -hmm. i want to do every day and then i have their um, plyometrics at the end. So I don't do them at the start where they have fresh legs. I want them to be able to produce power once they start getting fatigued within more of a controlled environment mm -hmm. where we're not, mind you, we're never maxing. And it's always a three to four rep at the very, very most. Um, you know, even, even with the college players, I'm, I'm not looking to go heavy, heavy, heavy all the time. It's not about numbers. There's going to be plenty of times where I'll tell them, you know, if you're feeling it, then we can do an extra set and we can go up 10, 15 pounds. But mm -hmm. it's nothing that's going to completely crush them and where you're going to feel like they're at the risk of injury get tired. Um, right. I've gone back and forth with doing conditioning at the start to doing my conditioning at the end and doing it in between. For me and what I've done for myself – I found what's worked is doing a little bit higher volume of maybe two exercises towards the end um, of my lift and say I'll do um, like a lateral block jump. So I just set hands up like a um, shuffle step over, jump and block. I'll do 10 on each side and then I might progress it into a swing block. I'll do a three-step approach to the side and a three-step approach to the other side, do 10 on each, and then um, kind of go from there. I don't really do too much. Uh, the girls I have right now go basically two days of strength training, mm -hmm. with two plyometric, or I usually do two plyos together, and then I'll do, like Monday, I'll do, we'll say, uh, I have them do snatches. And it's mainly for them to learn the movement. I don't load them super heavy. So mainly mm -hmm. are maybe five or 10 pounds um, just so they can get that full explosion. Uh, I'll do the same thing with dumbbells just to make it easier on them. That way they don't have to worry or get, feel scared at the bars over their head. Uh -huh. And I will take uh, from that, do a hip, uh, we'll say a, a strength hip movement, front or back squat. 
And sometimes I'll throw in deadlift depending um, maybe we haven't hit hamstrings enough or the posterior chain. Um, I might want to concentrate it on a little bit more. And then we go through accessory work, which is usually two back movements and a, a chest or shoulder movement. And that gets balanced out throughout the week. And mm -hmm. then we have, say Monday, I'll do two plyo movements. I'll do a squat jump to a broad jump and then just a lateral explosion. Okay. Wednesday, same kind of setup. Um, we'll go um, hand cleans or power cleans into a back squat or deadlift. So I usually try and do front and back and split them up. Um, or I might put in a push press for the, the accessory just to kind of mm -hmm. get for body movement. And then we'll go into same thing. We might work on rotation that day. I might throw in landmine rotations. Um, and then we go into more of a footwork conditioning for Wednesday. So it'll be a, like a five yard, almost like it will do like what we did, uh, Monday, we actually flipped it. Um, we did in and outs in a ready position. And so I'll say go in and out for maybe five to 10 seconds and then go again. And it's a five yard sprint. Mm -hmm. Go through that four to five times, about four sets, and then into um, a like a multi-directional movement. Okay. Or, so kind of have three or four different colored cones out, and say, "All right, green." They have to jump to green. They have to realize that and combine those two movements in without standing and thinking, because mm -hmm. it, at least with how I look at it with the younger kids. When they start connecting all this together and they look at, okay, the less I have to process, the easier it is for me to move. Mm -hmm. So the less thinking, I, I think it gets harder at first, but they get to enjoy the sport later once they start building on those critical skills like that. Because just like you said, a lot of programs like to make it fancy or something, or um, especially with guys, you know, it's, it get, kind of gets uh, egotistical with numbers. Yeah. But with them, it's the same thing with the, with the women's sport. Uh, the female sport for volleyball, at least the, the female aspect, is very technically sound. Mm -hmm. The side is really about power. So who can put the ball down harder? The women's game is a lot more finesse. There's a lot more strategy. And so I hammer down skill, whether it's on the court or it's in the weight room. Okay. So, so you so you don't focus too much on uh, you know, say like you know long distance conditioning, like hey we're gonna run a uh, full court gasters. You know you're more technical in the aspect of hey we got to hammer this movement down and we're gonna you know this is gonna be our repeat you know of whatever drill you're doing and that's how you develop your conditioning. Yeah, and then I'll okay. build that. like I'll I'll still do like um, they're modified, but like court length suicides, uh, except okay. in smaller increments at first, or we do full length sprints at the end of practice. And then we have a, uh, like a five second gap in between each person. Okay. And then they have to stay with that timer, <clears throat> like a beep test. Okay. And then say that's the first progression. And then we get to the point where it's just maybe every two seconds, or they have to do so many within a certain time frame, or we just go, all right, we're going you know, 75% the first five, and then we go 100% the last five. Uh -huh. It's, I'm trying to get them to kind of mentally, not break, 
but kind of open that door and go, okay, I'm tired. Is my technique good enough to carry me? Mm -hmm. Because the thing I remember when I ran track and field in high school was the moment I got tired, if my technique was crap, I, I died. Yeah. I was tired anyway, but I knew if I kept my stride, if I kept my arm swing and I kept my everything going in my mind fluidly, mm -hmm. I was fine. I could at least coast to the finish line, if not kick a little bit. And that's kind of what I want to, I, I try to get that with them. And mind you, I'm not hammering on them all the time. I keep training very, very light. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing that I want them to understand. And I think this still does relate with college that if you want to be that, that top 10 team, top 25, you know, everyone's about rankings now to some extent. Mm -hmm. It looks, I mean, it looks good on resume. Yep, so, it does. <laughs> you know, if you want to get into your conference playoffs, maybe that's the first step. You mm -hmm. know, you have to realize, you know, I, I can't be gassed by, by the third set. I, I have to be gassed by the end of the fifth set. And with a lot of these younger kids that are playing travel, you know, we're, we're playing could be five to seven. No, yeah. About, depending on how long the tournaments are five to seven matches, or actually it would be probably around 10 sets a day. A day. huh? And, yeah. And that's, you know, if you're lucky, you only go to 25 mm -hmm. and maybe it's 25, 15 every single time win or lose, you know, but then you start adding those extra, maybe they only win by two. 25 to 23, that stacks up. That stacks mm -hmm. up real fast, especially with some of the younger ones, 12s, 13s, where they're so tired. So it's, I find I try and slam them on the mental aspect of staying strong, sometimes more than the actual strength, not the strength, the actual conditioning side of it. Okay. Pushing them to realize your body can handle it but you have to allow your mind to let yourself go through it mm -hmm. instead of just giving up. Right. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's like putting the thought right back into the, uh, into the muscle to get that feedback that you want, you know, what are some, uh, what are some of your thoughts on um, like return? Now I don't want to say return to play, but like return to training more. So, um, you know, cause everyone's going to come back detrained. We all know that for a fact, um, you know, regardless if they're doing, you know, whatever they're at home training or whatyever. What's your, what's your thoughts on, you know, how to progress plyometric program? Um, like, do, do you follow any guidelines for plyometric programs or do you kind of just keep it simple? Hey, low intensity, high intensity stuff. Um, I try and <clears throat> like with my, my <clears throat> very beginners and I'll like, I'll, I'll progress it through college. Like my, my very beginners, the, the athletes, even if I've dealt with them, even if they played in college, I always see how they do a jump squat, just a basic jump squat. You know, do they have control on the way down and then accelerate from zero? Or are they trying to, you know, rebound? Are they trying to get momentum? You know, how do their hips move? Do their heels peel off? A little, I mean, I go as simple as I can in that huge movement because their their lower body is it, it's their life. I mm -hmm. mean, I think that kind of resonates with almost every sport for the most part. Obviously, there's some sports you can get away with having – some kind of weak lower body but yeah. <laughs> if <laughs> if you can 
if you can get them into a good first movement, I think from there, yeah, I think it depends on the athlete. And I think it depends on your comfortability with doing it. Uh-huh. Um, I don't have them do anything crazy like depth jumps or any <clears throat> box jump until maybe, I don't know, three, four weeks in. Okay. And even then, it's a, it's a low height. Um, I focus on their hip catch. Like when, when they land two feet on the box, do their hips bottom out towards their heels or do they try and catch themselves in a ready position? Right. Like if they can jump, obviously, best case scenario – Say it's a three-foot box, mm-hmm. and you know we're talking, you know, D1 athletes or D2 athletes. Can they jump to it and land almost straight leg during a quarter squat? Awesome. You know, from there, you know, we're talking some more of the pinnacle athletes. But <clears throat> even if it's an 18-inch box or a one-foot box, if they can land that in a high hip position and strong without locking their knees, then we can kind of go more into all right. Well, let's start with a depth jump at one foot mm-hmm. then we go depth jump one foot to a rebound jump a squat jump straight up then let's add in a, a broad jump and then after that let's go into a one leg lateral movement out of that mm-hmm. it's i kind of just take it depending on the person and you have those rare occasions like you said everyone's doing their at-home workouts that they actually have access to or <clears throat> they actually have access to weights or some kind of a makeshift gym. But my thing is, is I always start this from, from block one all the way back, especially with something like this. Cause I've got like right now, I've, I even got three kids that I worked with for about two or three solid months. And they came back after a month and a half and completely deconditioned, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I started them back to a point which was above where we started in general. We only had like two or three months worth of work, but I started them back up higher than what we started at the previous time, which I try and do that with them. I don't let them get away with saying, okay, well, I'm already this low. I want to start this low. It's kind of, they're always going to say, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to be sore. I know I'm going to be sore. I try and kick that at the very start when they walk in the door. Mm-hmm. They <clears throat> You're going to have the mentality, this is going to be hard. But yeah. if you can just walk in and say, okay, I've got four sets of five with broad jumps. I'm going to try and get half. I'm trying to get six feet to seven feet every broad jump. You know, let's cover 30 feet in five broad jumps. Um, I think that kind of starts to override, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good at this. You know, I, I try and give them what might seem like an unattainable goal. Mm-hmm if they actually let themselves become a part of the process, it can happen two times as fast than them going 75% when they don't need to. Yeah. Uh, To then ramp it up with, you know, you get into high school athletes and then college, college, I think you can push them faster. Um, Maybe a week, two weeks. Um, You know, some of the younger kids, a month, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that it depends on how many times you're training a week. If you're training twice a day, once a day, um, what your program's like. I mean, there's so many factors, but there's still, I don't know. I, I don't really have a set thing. I just go from a basic squat jump 
and try and progress it as I see which which chains are strong and which chains are weak. So it's I kind of modify it case to case. Yeah, I think that makes sense there because I know, and and that's a part of like the art of coaching. You know, just having that coach's eye and just you know knowing when you know the guy you're training or the girl you're training is you know prepared to move on. You know, because I've always you know I've always faced that question too. You know, people ask me, hey, you know when when uh you know when you start adding you know X Y and Z you know chains to a barbell bands to a barbell you know some people might say two times body weight or you know when you start depth jumping your kids and my thing is always you know when i think they're ready for it you know just just by analyzing you know day by day hey do they have do they have the right attitude number one are they putting in the effort number two you know and if if you know if if it's a one yes and one no then hey we're not going to go nowhere it's got to be two you know a two zero type of thing you know we need both attitude and effort just to you know get to those you know you know fancy whatever things you want to call them you know like depth jumping and whatnot you know accommodating resistance lifts and stuff like that so um that's pretty cool man i mean i I mean i didn't mean to cut you off i'm about to say it's pretty cool that you have that you know mentality where it's like hey you know when i say you're right when i think you're ready when to me it looks like you're ready then we'll go there yeah and then at that point there's there's no like i I don't let them get out of it like Uh i've had girls i've had girls that you know and it usually comes with Going up in weight in like a uh, uh, back squat because they're already scared the bars on the back, mm-hmm. or it's um, the biggest thing for them I think is jumping a higher box. Um, we have right now like we're in the process of getting new equipment, and there is a six inch jump between every box. So there's an eighteen. That's pretty high. <laughs> yeah, there's, we, I mean, we only we've got one set of soft boxes. There's an eighteen inch box, a twelve, and a six. Mm-hmm. So you're either jumping eighteen, twenty four, thirty, or thirty six. There's no choice. Right. So <laughs> there's girls. They're like, oh, I want to. You know, we're they're at twenty four. They're clearing it super easy. And I go, all right, throw that that six inch on there, uh, that soft box, and they're like. Oh, they, they, they go to take their first run and then they, they double clutch it and stop. Yeah. And I look at them and I'm like, well, well why'd you stop? They're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat it. And I said, okay, well, first thing is I've done that. It's fine. We've all done it. I've ripped my shin apart on a wooden box before. And if a, one of my athletes is watching this, she's probably laughing at the point um, because she watched me do it, uh-huh. um, which was actually a funny story in itself. <laughs> But, you know, I, I try and show them, you know, you, you've got one job. And I think for me, if I can break that down as simple as possible and say, look, you have one job, you know, and this is just go from the ground to the middle of the box. Mm-hmm. If you look at it any other way, you're not going to do it. You're, you're at least not going to attempt it. It's the same thing with squat. Your job is to, you know, drop your hips. Now, this is with knowledge of how to squat, obviously. Your job is to drop your hips and then stand up. If you make it, I think, any more complicated, that mental aspect starts to get a little weary. And mm-hmm. I think it starts to add too many, too, there's too much that can go wrong. I think there's things that, strength conditioning with athletes, even guys, like even, even guys will kind of, you know, it'll just be, you know, you know, I can lift more than you sometimes, but I want you get the right, the, I think once you get the right culture in the weight room and uh-huh. you go, okay, well, that's great. You can clean 315, but it looks like garbage. 
And I think once you get to the point where you go, okay, this is where you're at. But if you want to be taken seriously, especially in the next level, or you have any you know aspiration of doing it, let's get here. Because then maybe once you get that catch down, maybe learning that movement helps you on the field in some way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've even had some of my girls I've dealt with, um, the ones going to college or a couple that are, that are in college right now. Um, I go all the way down to the small things. I, they, they can already jump. They, they already know how to shuffle. They already know how to swing at a ball, pass a ball. I'm now looking kind of like you said, we're going deeper, like one to two levels. I'm looking mm-hmm. at, you know, let's change this angle <clears throat> in a little bit more and let's push your hips here. And let's get your shoulders out here. You know, now let's move from this movement or, okay, if this is easy, let's progress it. You know, let's, let's do something that you're more or less, you're probably not going to do in a match, but maybe, once in a while, if you get caught out of position or something. And uh-huh. I think it's true with everything else, like with any other sport. Always trying, I'm not trying to train them for the unexpected, but at least have the ability to say, I can get outside of my comfort level and still mm-hmm. accomplish every single thing that I'm doing inside my comfort level without ever having attempted it. Right. No, 100% agree, man. I mean, and then that, that's where you get growth when you start getting outside of your comfort level. And then, you know, once you get comfortable in that position, now you got to find another uncomfortable, you know, yeah. level to accommodate yourself to. And, and that's to go, you know, when you look at, you know, the strongest guys to ever, and I'm not saying strength is, you know, the key to life here, but, you know, when you look at the strongest lifters to ever lift the barbell, you know, they've went to these uncomfortable positions to, you know, achieve these great things. You know, you even look at the greatest athletes of all time. I mean, you know, the, uh, the Jordan series that just came out, you know, just watching it like, it must have been, you know, very uncomfortable for everyone to play with the damn guy because he demanded greatness from every single individual, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's, it's the same thing we do as coaches. We, we put these kids in these uncomfortable environments, whether it's, you know, squat rack or, you know, round on the volleyball court doing drills. And, hey, our goal is to, you know, cr- create some stimulus where you're learning to adapt and that's the only way to grow, you know. And I feel like some kids get the impression, ah, coach is picking on me today, man. Co- coach is killing me today. Yeah. <laughs> Even even if you look at someone like James Harrison, who's in his mid forties, and just, he just posted a video of him pushing a two thousand pound sled, killing it, man. Yeah, that guy's he's gonna live. Still, he's gonna live to be forever. Oh my god, <laughs> he's, boy, he's a great animal. I mean, and yeah. then then you take it a step further in another aspect where you look. I mean, before um, the mountain broke the deadlift record, uh-huh. if you you know if you watch a close up of Eddie Hall. If you watch his face, when he pulls that the eleven hundred was eleven hundred two at the Arnold, what looks like it looks like he busts a blood vessel in his nose and it just starts gushing. Uh huh. That there's there's a certain part of I'm willing to die for this. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> especially when you're deadlifting. <laughs> yes, and there's. There is a certain insanity factor yeah. to weightlifting and athletics. And I think if you can wrap your head around the fact that I, I'm going to get hurt at some point. Now, mind you, we try and stay obviously as safe as humanly possible in the weight room. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, taking that out of it, if you can wrap your head around the fact that by me saying I'm going to come in and lift, that I'm going to play sports, you're, you're, you should be realizing that you're saying I'm willing to put myself at risk. And then I think mm-hmm. once you start doing that and you start con- consistently saying it to yourself, you go, this used to be scary. So, you know, and that, that, that could, that could be looking back six months. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I had, had one girl just recently, uh, been working with her for two years and she, uh, she's transitioning to go to college. Uh, she's not playing in college, but we're still training as if she is. And she is, you know, back squatting now 165 almost for for five and she and that's you know i think she's probably i think it's about 40 pounds or 30 pounds over her weight Mm -hmm. and you know i've had one or two other girls do the same thing and i go you know it's it's intimidating but the moment you go okay i just threw a plate on there plus Mm -hmm. more that's kind of where you go okay got a little bit of swagger now we can start moving yeah <laughs> i think that same thing works too especially with like timing drills um uh i i i'm i'm happy that i don't have to explain this to to most of my athletes that when i time you i'm not putting you in competition with someone else i'm putting you in competition with yourself yep and you know you have those athletes that that look at that that older athlete the more or the more experienced athlete or the one that's more coordinated and they go, you can see it in their face without them saying, like, they're faster than me. And I just go, who cares? Like, I, I have always been the small person in the gym. I've always been the young one on the court. I've never been the top dog when I play with people, which I love. I don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. It's just if I am, I'm not in the right spot, and I don't feel like I'm doing my job. <laughs> So I try and instill that in them also, and especially the ones that, you know, and it's usually the freshmen in high school that say, I want to play in college. And I go, okay, we're going to sit down and have about a 20 minute talk then. Mm -hmm. And you go, that's a loaded statement. And if you're serious, this is a three, four year run. You got to realize the next step, you're more or less starting over, but at a higher level. So say you went from A to A to A to Z. Well, you you're starting back at Z, but it's like A dash two. Yeah. <laughs> you're just going right from square one again because what you did in the weight room, no one no one's gonna care about how much you squat. No one's gonna mm-hmm. care about how much you deadlift. It's about are you doing it right? Are you strong when you do it? And are you doing it? I think the big thing is are you doing it with a purpose? Mm-hmm. It's I, I try and get my kids to keep each other competitive within their own goals. So, I mean, I have a couple of things written down. Um, I mean, I've kind of already said it. Um, confidence in the movement is key. Um, okay. You're, my biggest thing is you got young athletes and even some of the older athletes who have, and I know you've dealt with this, the ones who have never lifted. They got there purely on skill is your image is only defined by how you react to the situation. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, 
your first movements of doing something, you're going to feel stupid or silly in some way. You might as well just own it because the first time I ever did hand cleans, the first time I ever did snatches, I felt like a pure idiot. Mm -hmm. But the more and more I took criticism, the more and more I let myself be coached and I let somebody else, one of my biggest kind of like growing moment was the guy I work with is coaching me on my Olympic lifting. Mm -hmm. And it's one big thing I always tell them is like, I'm 30 years old. He's 30 years old. I'm learning from another professional, just like you're going to learn from another professional, regardless of what age you are. You know, you might be really good as an outside hitter. Find an outside hitter on your team that is better than you and work with them. If you're, if you're unwilling to put your pride and your ego aside, you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I really just focus on the, like if, if you have a good mentality, I think you can be coachable. I mean, obviously there, there are those raw talent athletes that you can kind of just say, go squat, squat's perfect. You don't have to, or not perfect, but it's, it's good. You don't have to worry about it. And they follow the program and it's whatever, but their attitude is crap and they make one mistake and they get cut or they get suspended or something happens. Mm-hmm. I would rather have that hardworking athlete that has the right mindset any day of the week. Uh-huh. I agree with you, man. And it's, it's funny you say that because I always tell my kids, I'm like, hey, look, I don't care if you're all American, all conference. I said, listen, we don't give awards out in the weight room, man. You know, it's two, two things. we Like I said, you know, the two things we go by attitude and effort. And I'll call the kids out, you know, male or female, um, I'm pretty even keel when it comes to that. Obviously, I'll change the tone a bit with some, uh, you know, yeah. some people that might catch, you know, some feelings with some words. But um, no, definitely. And, and that's the biggest thing I preach, you know, the same thing to my kids. Like, hey, look, all right, cool. You might have been a, you know, first team all conference. But, you know, that, that don't mean nothing when, when we're day one in the offseason this year. You know, it's, it's a new book. You know, I feel like I feel like, you know, this new age of athlete they talk about. Like the 80s babies are done playing sports. Uh, yeah. The 90s babies are the mid vets now asking for all, all this money now. But. You know, it's the 2000 era of athletes that we get now. And I feel like, you know, they, they grew up different than, uh, you know, we have, you know, people born in the 70s, 80s, early 90s. Um, obviously, nothing was given to us like technology gives everyone now. I mean, I always preach to my kids, hey, I had to walk to a library to do my damn research papers and open an encyclopedia up if you know what that is. You know, yeah. um, so, you know, they've, you know, the attitude of the athlete now is they've grown up with, you know, compliments more so than, Hey, that's not the way to do. Th- oh, you know that was a that was a poor performance on your end. You know, a uh, kid might have lost every game in their high school season, and you know their parent might have told them, "Hey, you gave it your best." Well, you know, and the, you know, you come to Coach Gio's weight room, I'll be the first one to tell you, you ain't do enough. You know, <laughs> and I some mean, of these kids, some of these kids hate it, but you know, then again, when you sit down and talk to them, let them know, hey, this is why you're not giving it at all. This is why I think you're not giving it your all. Your best, you know, you've got way more in the tank. And you know, once you get to that personal level with the kids, I feel like now they get it. Okay, coach is being hard on me for a reason. It's, he's not just doing it because we lost the game. You know? Yeah, I think I think a lot of those kids they 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 love the fact that you demand that respect from them and that you don't let them get away with things. Not at, I I don't think it's something that they realize. I think it's more subconscious. Mm-hmm. I think that there is. Some kind of, 
I mean, I'm going to say, I think it's kind of more primal. Like there's, there's always, you're going to have an alpha in the group and then you're going to have them. For me personally, if I'm the alpha and I'm working with my athletes, I want them to come back and be that alpha. Mm-hmm. Like I want them to act like that. Mm-hmm. I want them to be knowledgeable. I want them to walk around humble, be nice to people. But when you got to do your business, do your business. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think it says a lot by how they carry themselves. And every athlete I have I, that, that comes in is a lot more, you know, freshman, eighth grader now is I tell them, especially if they're older, I've realized between, obviously with the college athletes, it's a lot easier. You can be, you're straight up blunt. You know, you say, hey, you're here for a reason. We're going to do our job. You got to do yours. And with now, I've realized there's three things in my life that I didn't want to have to deal with and three jobs. And I've got two of them. And one was money, someone's money, someone's kid, and then someone's food. So I've got two of them now. <laughs> two out of three. <laughs> and I've realized that I can handle it. But the first things I say to them when they come in is there's no whining, there's no complaining, there's no I'm tired, and there's no excuse. Mm-hmm. When you're in here, you're 100% in here. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care about what's going on outside right now. I will care about it once you're done and we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. But until that happens, your, your, your squats, your sprints, your jumps do not do themselves on their own. And you do not pass a ball by complaining about something that happened earlier or you're upset about something that happened earlier. Yeah. And that's why I, I implore parents, even if it's not me, put your kid in the weight room. Mm-hmm. with obviously a certified individual. Right, right. Like, you know, <laughs> put your kid in the weight room. Like, they, there's, it's the one thing you can't cheat. You can cheat athletics in a way. You can mm-hmm. hide yourself somewhere. You can skate by, but you cannot cheat a weight room because 135 pushes different than 145. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, you, you get to the point where it's, Man, hell, there are days where I go, man, I know I can pick up 315. And then there's days where I'm like, this is really heavy. And I go, (laughs) I know my head's not in it. And I know I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Go, Okay, look, I'm not going to kill myself about it. You know, let's drop down to 225 and let's rep out 12 or 10. And Mm -hmm. then let's build on that. It's finding a way to continually reach your goal without admitting defeat. Definitely. And, yeah. I, and I, I kind of preach the same thing with the weight. I didn't mean to cut you off my bad. But again, no, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say I preach the same thing. I only preach it to my baseball guys, really, about the weight room. And I always tell them, I say, hey, like, this is the one place in the world where Jesus can't come save you, man. I yeah. said, it's, it's you versus that damn barbell. You better find a way to win, man, because if you haven't been working, we'll find out fast, you know. Can't, can't cheat it, like you said, you know. Hey, we gave you a 12-week program. You did two weeks? Cool. You ain't do 10 of them. <laughs> and that's where, I mean, that's where, that's where kids kind of look, look back and go, well, you know, I was doing this and I was doing this. And I'm like, okay, but were you doing what I asked you to do? Mm-hmm. And you have kids and it starts now. And I don't, I don't deal with this as much anymore just because the people who come to me now come to me knowing how the process is going to work. The kids might not, but the parents do. Yeah. And look at them and go, you know, the reason you're not where you're at is because of your effort level. 
Mm-hmm. And you have to realize that. Um, I also, I'm also big in like in the family aspect. Like I've had my, my biggest thing is kind of respecting your elders and treating the people around you with respect, regardless if you hate them or not, or you like them. Mm-hmm. I've, I've broken a couple kids here and there. I'll openly say it. I think we all have at some point, but they, they either fear you or they love you. Mm-hmm. I think either way you get that respect. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, there's an old saying, you know, I'd rather be, I'd rather be feared than, than loved, but it does work both ways. It I does. Fear, love, and respect can intertwine when when it's done in the right way. Mm-hmm. I think that it's. I think it needs to be reworded, almost like it's tough love rather than fear. I mean, you can you can make anyone fear you. I think you need to understand how to handle the situation, especially in a weight room where if they mentally go, you're not moving the weight. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it's 40 pounds or 400. You, the weight's not going to move right, or your body's not going to fire a certain way. So it's, I think it's really just them being aware of themselves and realizing that what they say and do and how they act, even at a young age, is crucial because a lot of those kids and some of them still carry it until their freshman year in college or their sophomore year in college. I think by the time they get to sophomore, junior, it's, it's all those kids are weeded out and you have the, you know, I want to fit in attitude Mm -hmm. and I kind of look at them and go, all right, well, I don't care. I'm not here to be your friend. We develop that relationship after awesome. But right now you need to learn and I need to push you to a point that you don't think is attainable. Mm -hmm. I took, I'll be honest. I despise, absolutely despise TikTok. And (laughs) I know so many athletes, you know, both male and female love it. Nail this. And I'm just like, look, man, you want to dance in front of camera? Cool. Like all more power to you. But if I see you immediately, that's the first thing you, you touch before, like when you come in somewhere or when you go out somewhere, like there's certain things that have to be priorities. And I know I've had this talk with other strength coaches and it's you, you have to balance your priorities and mm-hmm. the weight room. If, if your dream is to play in college, then your, your weight room has to be your priority. That, that hour with your friends doesn't exist anymore. That, that night out might not exist mm-hmm. because, you know, you <clears throat> need to go to sleep at nine o'clock to get up at five to go do your conditioning, to go do your morning lift, to then go and go work your mm-hmm. job. And I think there's that's, that's some things that a lot of kids don't understand. Even some college athletes, I don't think get that. They I'm, don't. No, they don't. <laughs> I've, I've, I've watched kids different ages, you know, they ask me like what my schedule's like and my schedule in season, like in club season is what some people might call just horrendous or overworked. And don't get me wrong. It's overworked, but I try and put out the quality that I would want to pay for. Mm -hmm. And so it's 70, 80 hours a week. 
it's getting home at what I'm actually trying to fix my schedule where it doesn't happen that much anymore, but it's getting home at nine, 10 o'clock at night sometimes and starting my day at six. Yeah. And you know, I got, I, I did, I did it for six, eight months and I was running on, you know, coffee at night for seven thirty PM practice and coffee in the morning for, you know, 8 AM phys ed class. Mm-hmm. So like any given day I'd go, I might train in the morning, go teach phys ed, go train in the afternoon, train clients, and then go run practice. That might be my Monday through Friday. And mm-hmm. then the weekends I was traveling for tournaments, sometimes six, eight hours away. And I look at some athletes and go, you have it easy right now. So if you have it easy right now, why not make the most of your time when you have literally no responsibility? Mm-hmm. Because if I had that time over, and I'm sure you too, there's always something that we would want to fix where it could have catapulted us three, four steps farther than where we are right now at almost half our ages. 100% and agree, man. It's it's really something that I like, – me, I, I thank my support system because especially my wife. If I didn't have my wife, I mean, it's – it's very hard to do something like this alone. Mm-hmm. And even though she's not physically doing anything with it, it's one of those things like the kids, when they have their parents, you have the best support system you could ever have. Even if your teammates fail you, you have two people. If you're blessed, you have two people. And even if you have one, you have one that you can lean on, that you can talk to. They might not know what the hell you're saying, but you have someone to listen to. And I think if you build from that and you realize I can be an individual, I don't care if I'm 14, 15, 16, I can act like an adult and it will get you farther. Mm-hmm. And I think it's true in everything, especially in the weight room and athletics. Uh, I have not made so many more connections in anything but athletics than I would ever imagine. Yeah. I got to agree on that, man. I mean, I always tell people, you know, who, who are not into sports, who, who are not in sports like you and I, like we're in the game. Those yeah. people are on the outside looking in as fans, and they don't get it. And I always tell them, you know, hey, you know, sports is just a reflection of life, man. We, we learn, you know, from all these adverse positions. We build enough confidence to, you know, do, do what we not. But whoop, I think I lost you there. No, you got Battery's good. draining on me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, now sports, man, it's just, it puts you in these, you know, um, you know, phases of adversity, you know, the, the strong survive, like, you know, the old adage goes, but, you know, the weak people weed themselves out. Um, and, you know, we see it at the Division One level, too. Everyone thinks Division One is, you know, all, uh, you know, all fine and dandy, the best of the best. But, no, we'll, we'll get the bottom of the barrel athletes that just they want to put the jerseys on. You know, they want to be around the teammates. They want to be around that type of culture. And that's fine. You know, that's 100% fine because, you know, nine times out of ten, those are the kids that, you know, bring the spirit of the team up when, you know, the team's kind of down on themselves and whatnot, you know. Um, and there's only a certain amount of starting jobs out there in college. So, you know, yeah. you know, well, I mean, to like, to kind of like pull it all back, um, like with, with my training and everything, it's, I get to the point with them where it's, it's getting them to see, you know, you want to get from A to B mm-hmm. and A to B seems real simple, but once you realize there might be a hundred steps from A to B, it's okay. I want to get really good at step one. 
And getting them really good at step one is, I think, the critical part. And, you know, just like you said with, like, snatches and everything, it's, you know, it's here and there. And I've noticed that with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's kind of my thing is I want them to do a movement. Yeah, they're probably not going to snatch in college, but they get to understand certain movements. And I might never load them heavy on a bar. They don't need it. Now, cleans, totally different. Obviously, we can load them heavy. We can move them a little bit better. It's a lot safer. But it's – I'll be honest with you. I don't think that there's a true method to the perfect program. I mm-hmm. think it's just how it's, it's handled, honestly. Um, you know, both of ours can work. It's just, I think both of ours work great for different people. Mm-hmm. And I think they work great in maybe certain areas. Like my training program, or like how I train, obviously, at least I know at the collegiate level, there's a lot more. You guys are, we're looking more science, you know, scientific based with, you know, if you're going on rep range or if you're going off of, you know, percentages or if you want it, maybe a certain power output by, you know, postseason. It's mine is, I just want to progress them in steps throughout their entire career while I have them. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that they're ready for college. Yeah. I'm that's, not, that's a good thing because you're making my job easier. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. It makes, it, it, it makes you have the ability to be a lot more fluid in the weight room and mm-hmm. you can actually accomplish a lot more. Like yeah. you're not spending, six months teaching them how to clean. You mm-hmm. might go over it two weeks. You might look at them in first week and go, you're good. Throw on tens or something. Or, yeah. hey, you know, what did your coach have you at before you left? And then you can go, okay, well, we're not in bottom of the barrel stage, you know, phase one where I got to throw all the freshmen together. And, you know, they're on the final, they're on the back rack learning how to clean a bar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's – I really think that if us in the private se- private sector and if, if we can do our job right, it makes your job easier and then it makes your programs look better. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the point of, you know, we understand the culture and the kind of athlete you want. I think it, it does nothing but continually help the sport, whatever sport we're training. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps us realize that worked and how do I now make it better? Right. I think the funniest thing I ever had told to me was by a seventh grader. And he looked at me and mind you, this the team went like 16 and one. They were awesome. But she looked at me and goes, why are you never happy with us when we do something great or good? And I said, I'm not supposed to. I'm like, I'm, I, if, I said, if, if I stand there and tell you that's a good job and I don't give you something else, I don't need to be your coach. Mm-hmm. That if I don't have, I said, I'm going to have five things for you to do after you think you've accomplished the first one. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do that for you, and I think us as strength coaches, 
if we don't have that at least mentally loaded, I think we do a huge disservice. If, if you come in well-prepared in whatever way you see as well-prepared, and I, for me personally, it's you, you have the, the key points you want to hit in that lift. You have the, the, the culture that you want to put out there, and you have the right mentality for the athletes. I, I think you accomplish everything. I think, at that, I think at that point it's on the athlete. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't believe in holding their hands really at all. Um, maybe at very, very, very first just to get them comfortable. But I wholeheartedly believe throwing them in the pit and make them either sink or swim. I mean, Definitely. obviously, <laughs> do it to gotta, a certain Birds got to learn to fly at some point, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what's done it for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very methodical with how I do things. Um, my training doesn't say that, which is funny, because I come in every day and I write on the board what we're doing. It's not mm -hmm. written down anywhere. It's just loaded in my mind, and I know the movements I want to hit and I remember the progressions of what we've done the previous four weeks. And I go from there. Okay. I don't sit there and go, well, and it's nothing to anyone who does this because I applaud all of you that, that go through and you go through the science of it. Um, it says we got about two minutes left. So I'll wrap up what I'm saying. Um, I got about, I got about 4% battery left. <laughs> okay. So I'll wrap this up. Um, I applaud all the ones that go through all the methodical um, scientific side of training because it does make easier thing. It makes it easier for me and I get to look at things a totally different way. Um, I also think that there's a lot of creativity when it comes to pressure. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I know my training isn't, you know, by the books, but it has, I found success in it and it keeps it, um, we'll say lively in the weight room. Yeah, definitely. And I got to agree with you there because, you know, you, you can look at all, you can read all the, you know, different types of methods, but, you know, as long as you're following, you know, what I, I kind of like to say, I, I go principle-based, you know, so everything we do is principle-based, you know, principle-based is, you know, all evidence-based stuff. So um, if we're following our, you know, progression principle, our specificity principles, then, you know, we'll find ways to get better. You know, just like you said, your program, my program, the USA national teams program it, it, it somebody's gonna get better doing it it's just can the coach you know instill the the you know belief in the athlete for them to get better during the program so hey man uh it's, we got about 30 seconds left i know you're low on battery um i just want to say thank you it was great talking with you man no uh, we'll, thank we you to, man we'll definitely reconnect and uh talk some more yeah later yep appreciate it man appreciate you having me on uh no problem you have a good night geo um and i will talk to you soon man all right. Have a good one. All right. You too.